Here's a scripture that's stirring me today. We look to ancient truth, the scripture in the Bible that points us to the greatest story that's ever happened. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 says these beautiful words. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. This was written hundreds, thousands of years ago. And it is the story that we're here to acknowledge this afternoon. That in a dark, dark world, man, a light has come. And that light, that light is the hope that we have. And that's why on this afternoon we take time. We take time to recognize this living God, Jesus Christ, who's alive with us today. I've been married for 18 years. My wife, Beth, led us in worship. My 16-year-old daughter, she led the song. Um, what's that song? Oh, Holy Night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so and my, my, my family, my other two boys are sitting here at the front. And so you guys, can y'all just kind of wave? Kind of here. All right. Thanks. Thanks. You get another Christmas present because you did that. Way to go, guys. Thank you. I'm not above bribery. I know that. So we, we've been uh, married 18 years, and, and this is kind of how it all started. This is what happened that day. Here's a picture of us. Look at that beautiful bride. And uh, you can see why I need a beard so bad, don't you? And I was a lot thinner back then, but I had a lot of face still. Um, and then this is where we were as we were leaving the honeymoon here. And now you can see why that's one happy guy right there, huh? I mean, she's a babe then. She it, it worked, out, worked out pretty good for me. Back in those days, I had my go-to outfit. You know how we always have a go-to outfit? And, and I really felt good in, you know, khakis and a red polo. It kind of felt Tommy Hilfinger-ish kind of when that was popular. And um, the, the, the target, target human resource people, they ruined that. They ruined that because uh, now when I wear a red shirt and khakis, people start, you work at Target? Not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, but, but so back in those days, I, I wore the, the, the red shirt and the khakis, but um, I, I moved on. And I love half of that picture. You know, that, that's, that's my beautiful bride. Um, and, man, even though I'm making fun of myself, I looked pretty good back then, huh? I mean, not bad, right? Right, you know? So, so it's kind of depressing me, so let's just move on, okay? Let's just take that picture off totally. That's fine. Thank you, Christy. We can just move on. So... One of the things you'll learn is that man up there thought I knew this woman, but I did not at all. Uh, you learn really quick in marriage that even though you've dated for some time, you've been engaged for some time, um, you really don't know the woman you've married. So during our honeymoon, we, we went to a few different places, but we were moving in through North Carolina um, to, into um, Charleston, or South Carolina that was. And we were going through the mountains, the Blue Ridge Mountains. And I love the mountains. I love going through the mountains. And I thought, because I love going through the mountains, surely the woman I married liked everything the same way, right? Isn't that what we naively think? She liked everything. And so every historical marker I was stopping at, I was reading every historical marker and thought that she shared this love for history. Um, she was bored, you know, she was bored, she wasn't into it, she was ready to get to the beach, and she's a beach girl, okay? I'm a mountain guy, she's a beach girl, didn't know this yet. And so as we're driving, and we're, we're, we're still a couple hundred miles away from Charleston, um, and 
I, I noticed that she's getting, she's getting really quiet, not talking a lot, kind of apprehensive. And so I'm trying to small talk. I'm trying to play some music. I'm trying to make things jovial. And then she just kind of, she just kind of quietly said, I don't like arriving in new places in the dark. I had not yet discovered this phobia of hers. That when she comes to a new place and it's dark and you don't know where the streets are, you don't know where the streets are and where things are, she starts to get a little bit of apprehensive. So, so we, we, we show up at the hotel and this was pre-internet days. This was 98 kind of, or the internet was just starting. And so um, I trusted a travel agent that she did me wrong. She did me wrong. Hopefully she won't listen to this message uh, somewhere. She is a Facebook friend still, so hopefully she, she, she won't follow that line. But uh, it was a terrible hotel. And, and I wasn't gonna talk about this too much, but y'all seem to be enjoying the story. It was so, <laughs> this, this, this bed had a wall on either side of it, so you couldn't enter. You had to dive into the bed. It was like, let's jump in. And then there was a window next to us where, where the hallways is. So as you're laying in bed, a shadow would pass in the night. So, so we got there, and, and I said, this isn't going to work. So we checked out and went back to a national chain hotel. And this whole, it's just we got lost, and it was a bad experience. And I discovered that Beth didn't like showing up places in the dark. It just wasn't her thing. So I knew I was in trouble when we got to the second hotel. She grabbed her pillow and said, I want my mommy. <laughs> Okay, that didn't happen, but pretty funny, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It makes for a better story. So I, I discovered pretty early on that if I'm going to travel with Beth, light is needed. We, we want to arrive when it's light as, as much as we can. Here's my first point I want to talk about today is we're, we're kind of thinking about that scripture in Isaiah chapter 9. Darkness is a characteristic of our day. The Bible talks about darkness as a metaphor over and over again. And the Christmas story, which is not this static, distant, old story, it's an alive story that we celebrate in the present today, is a reminder to us that light is always needed. We live in a time of darkness, and and we know this. We we know this as we begin to evaluate what's happening around the world. There's global instability. We have cultural challenges here in our country. There's known corruption in business and government and education. There's confusion, injustice, ecological irresponsibility. All of those are corporate issues and societal issues that we're concerned about. And then on top of that, there's this individual thing that we have. Our individual sin, our individual violations against God's will. And, and this is a darkness that comes upon us. And, and a lot of times the reason that we're so concerned about the darkness in the world is because it makes us aware of the darkness within us when we don't have God in our lives. And then sometimes it's not even um, a sin issue. Some of us have a darkness about us because of disappointment. We, we just Things just didn't turn out the way we thought. Maybe someone else didn't perform the way we thought they should or didn't come through for us or maybe even in our own lives that we have a sense of darkness because circumstances that we could not control have affected us and this darkness is like a cloud over us and like never before I'm so glad that you're here among God's people that stand over these symbolic candles because we need a light we need a light for 
our personal hearts. We need a light for our personal decisions. We need a light for us as a society, us as a culture. We need a light for this whole world. And the light has already come, and the light is among us, and the light is coming with greater, greater intensity as we love one another and declare the greatness of God. John chapter 1, we, we find the story of God reaching out to man. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. This is talking about the deity of Jesus. Jesus wasn't just a great teacher. He wasn't just a great leader. He wasn't just a great humanitarian. Jesus was God. The scripture is clearly saying this. You cannot avoid this fact. I mean, you can't take the part of Jesus you want. That Jesus claimed himself to be God. And his followers claimed Jesus as God. And so here it is. We see this, that this is the Jesus that revealed himself as God himself. And look at verse 4. Life was in him. And that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness. And here's the good news. Yet the darkness did not overcome it. You see, we can talk about the darkness in the world, the darkness in our hearts, the darkness in our choices. But there's a light that's greater. And we're here to declare who Jesus is because the light always conquers the darkness. The darkness will not win. Some of you are in fear. You're in phobias. You're like looking up conspiracy theories. Uh, you're wondering about uh, what's going to happen and, and so fearful about the future. And yes, I know that dark and Dark things happen in the world. I've already talked about that. But the light always ends. Jesus, his work is unfolding before us, within us, around us. The Christmas story is not static. It's not in the past. The Christmas story is alive right now, this afternoon. The light has come to eliminate the darkness. Well, let's go back to my honeymoon. Well, when we woke up the next morning in Charleston, we discovered it was a beautiful city. The city was charming. The ambiance was inviting. The beach was fantastic. All of the characteristics you want when you explore a new city. Why? Because here's my second observation today from Isaiah 9. The light has dawned. The light has dawned. John chapter 1, verse 14. The word became flesh. Remember what we read about the Word? The Word that was in the beginning. The Word that created the world. The Word that was with God and was God Himself. God Himself became flesh and took up residence among us. Remember the time when you added a child to your family? It may have been through fostering or adoption or through natural birth. Maybe it was a relative who moved in, uh, who needed a place to stay, a transition place. But typically when that happens, there's some anticipation. There's some time to prepare. There's some time to think about what's going to happen. But it doesn't matter how much time you have to prepare for a new human being in your home and in your life. It doesn't matter how much training you go under. It doesn't matter how many books you read. When another human being comes into your life, it changes everything, and nothing really prepares you for it. And how could you be prepared? 
Because each personality is unique. Each personality is special. Each personality brings a flavor to that home, to that apartment, to that family. And so it is that it's even when we know about it intellectually, people tell you all the time, well, another kid's going to change your life. That young couple, hey, you have a kid, it's going to change your life. You add someone to, to your home, it's going to change your life. As much as we hear it, hear it, hear it. We're not prepared for it. We're not prepared for it until it happens and there's no way to it. That's why I love John 1.14, where it says, God took up residency with his people. God Almighty came. God Almighty participated. And I want to make sure you're making room for God in your life. Are you making room for God in your life? Are you allowing God to take up residency in your life? Has he, is he at home within your heart? You may ask, well, I'm not sure. Because what happens when God is at home in your heart? It's different for every one of us. But God has a personality. God has a revealed nature. We find this from Scripture. We find this from His workings with His people. And when He takes up residency in your life, when the light dawns, when the light comes and it dispels the darkness, everything changes. I'm going to ask our ushers to begin to position themselves to distribute communion. And at this time, the musicians can join me also. The world is dark, but the light has dawned. And here's the great thing about the light. The last, my last observation today, the light keeps getting brighter and brighter and brighter. The light keeps shining. It keeps brighter and brighter. Thank God that after 18 years of, mess, of marriage, things have improved. I hope. Is that true? Okay, yeah, thank you. That was the dutiful wife smile if there ever was one, but thank you. But you know this in any type of relationship you're in. When you stick through the adversity, when you go through celebrations and milestones, whether it's with a child, whether it's with a parent, whether it's with somebody who becomes like family to you, and you go through circumstances of life, the light gets brighter and brighter and better and better. So it is with the work of Jesus. His advent, His coming, the incarnation, the residency of God. As we allow faith to fill our hearts, as we allow love to fill our hearts, as we begin to live out the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work of Jesus becomes more and more alive in the way we love one another, in the way we serve our community, in the way we make our world a greater place and a better place. Verse 14 says this, we observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son, John 1:14, the one and only son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. So it is. Today, you've taken time this afternoon to honor the birth of Jesus, to honor the incarnation, to put Jesus first. And I want you to know that you're part of that light. 
when you participate in worship, when, when you begin to mirror the characteristics of Jesus, when you pass faith down to a new generation, when you love the way Jesus has called you to love, then that baby in the manger, he is recognized in the people around you as who he is. He's not just a myth. He's not just a story. He's not just a fairy tale. He is the God who lived on this earth for 33 years, who voluntarily, voluntarily laid down his life on the cross, who on the third day rose again and came out of the grave with victory over death, Hades, and the grave. Victory over sin. He was a substitute for our sin. And because Christ rose again, we will rise with Christ. It means that the years we have and the decades we have here in this world is not the only days we have. There is a greater day. And that's why this morning as I woke up and I felt so sentimental as I started thinking about people who are no longer in my life anymore. I had the hope that I will see them again. Why will I see them again? Because our God chose to come to the manger, to come to Bethlehem, to live a sinless life. He laid down his life voluntarily on the cross. He came out of the grave with victory over death so that the story doesn't end on this earth. There's a greater story that's still unfolding. We have a destiny in heaven. We have a destiny with God because our God is great and greatly to be praised. That's why Isaiah chapter 9 talked about this light. And in verse 3, it goes on to say, you have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time and as they rejoice when dividing spoils. For you have shattered their burdensome yoke and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. For the trampling boot of battle and the bloody garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. Amen to that. And here's the reason why. For a child will be born. A child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. And the government that we trust so much will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. This is the God we serve.